folks, grab a seat and pour your drink neat as Whiskers and Whiskies presents Tales of the Trophies, the SEC's greatest rivalries. Yes, I am not Mike. Mike is incapacitated this week, having a lot of life things going on and could not make it, but I have two lovely guests. Welcome back, Whiskey Joe, and welcome back, Nick Doyle. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Yeah, nice to be good. back. Happy, happy, honored to be back, really. Well, I thought it was also very fitting because the rivalry trophy we're talking about today is the McCullough Trophy, and that's played between Florida State and Florida, and we just happen to have a resident of Florida, uh, kind of newly, somewhat newly over the last couple of years, um, and Nick Doyle, so I, I hope you bring all of your Florida knowledge to today's episode, because you're going to need some of it. Yeah, it's two years old, so, uh, you know. It's really it's recency bias at its best. Two years, you're low, you're right in that sweet spot. Either you're, you can still claim that you're too new, or you can be like, "Well, I've been there for two years. I I know what I'm talking about." I mean, both these teams have been uh, <laughs> a big bag of meh in the time that I've been here. And I mean, Florida State's been awful, except in, apparently until this year. Yeah, decided to play football, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it should be a, actually should be a pretty interesting uh, matchup here, but we can talk about that in a little bit. So why don't we get into what we are drinking? So today we are drinking something called a bourbon smash. And why I chose this one is because it's also sometimes referenced as a Florida bourbon smash. So it kind of has the, the Florida aspect to it. Um, but basically, uh, this is very, very similar. I feel like it's like a Florida version of the mint julep. Um, so very similar to what we did a couple of weeks ago. And honestly, I had some mint left in my fridge. So I thought, hey, why don't I try and find another drink that has to do with, with mint um, to get that out of my fridge? So the ingredients are two ounces of bourbon uh, or whiskey. Uh, I guess you can use a rye if you want. Um, and also a three quarters ounce of simple syrup four to five mint leaves, and also three large women, uh, women, she's mm, three lemon. large women, <laughs> lemon wedges, um, and then one mint sprig garnish as well. So what you want to do is you just want to muddle the mint and lemon together first, uh, then you can add the simple syrup bourbon and some ice and shake it until it's mixed. And then you strain it and pour it into a rocks glass over cubed ice and then add the little bit of sprig to garnish it. So so back to the beginning, was that the was it three big booty bitches? Yes. Okay. Yes, they have to be big. Okay. And booty. Just wanted to clarify. All right. Thanks. <laughs> All right, guys. Cheers. Ooh, I like that one. I know we're kind of like heading into fall, so this is more of probably a summer drink. But Doyle, it's it's warm. Hanging out for your life with that one. It's October. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was like it was like ninety five degrees out when I was playing with my children at five o'clock. So there you go. So uh, <laughs> really aren't seasons here. It's just either raining or not. <laughs> so there you go. You get um a little bit of uh you know, refreshment here, a little lemon, lemon zest for you. Um, but just, I mean, there is some history behind this drink. Uh, it was actually recognized all the way back in 1887, which was pretty interesting to me in Jerry Thomas's bartender's guide. Um, but essentially it, it, it was after mint juleps because mint juleps have been around. Um, if you remember, uh, when we talked about it a couple weeks ago, have been around since like the 1700s. Um, so it was after that, and it was right around the time that um, whiskey sours became very popular as well. So I think it was just kind of like, you know, someone mixing the two together. Um, and apparently in the 1980s and 90s, uh, there was a guy named um, Dale DeGroff, and he was one of the more popular bartenders in New York City at the time. And apparently he worked at a place called the Rainbow Room. And he loved this drink and um, made it all the time. And it became popular um, in the in New York City in the 80s and early 90s because of this bartender. So 
There you go. So what what why is it sometimes called the Florida smash? Yes, because uh, and there were there were some recipes that called for a very um, I, I feel like labor intensive um, way of making a simple syrup. Um, but essentially, uh, Florida is known for its citrus. Obviously, everyone knows about oh, okay. uh, oranges, but it also Florida has uh, numerous other citruses that grow there. So uh, I think it, I think it kind of stems from that. I think the lemon adding the lemon to it is what made it. You usually think oranges when you think Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's actually a little bit of trivia later on for you guys. Uh, so we actually will tackle uh, a couple other citruses that are um, popular in Florida as well. Let's do it. I think I it's know. just the, the orange growers lobby in Florida is just a little stronger <laughs> than the, uh, the lemon, <laughs> lemon growers lobby. We definitely have lemons down here. Mm, uh, like I've never seen any lemons too. down there. I mean, we have, we have key limes, which are just little baby runty limes. I'm pretty sure we also have regular limes. Just say. no mint. No, no mint. Do you have a lemon or lime tree like in your neighborhood or near your house? I know my mom had um, one in Arizona. It was like um, whoever had owned the house before her planted them. Um, but that was also pretty cool to kind of see. But is that like popular near you? Yeah, there's definitely some. I can't think of one specific around me, but I know yeah. that there are some in Miami. I, the big trees down in the more Cuban areas, which is where I live. Uh, is mango. Everyone's got a mango tree in their front or backyard and the big, big giant, not like the little hot avocados, like those big, huge ones. It, there's like four or five of those trees in my neighborhood. Oh, wow. Are those like, can you eat them or no? Oh yeah, they're delicious. They're, they're way better than hot avocados. Hmm. Sorry, Mexico. Is, it, is it the same? Like, does it taste <laughs> the same? It's just bigger? It's, it, it's like a little creamier, the, the flavor and the texture. It's kind of smoother and, and kind of creamier, a little mellower um definitely definitely a good avocado if you're looking for them they're also just like i always am yeah i don't yeah i don't think i've ever seen them the big ones before yeah i mean i will pick one for my neighbors my brother-in-law just run run out there go get one real quick (laughs) i'll do it do it do it um okay so why don't we uh talk about um i don't know if you guys caught this game um, we can just quickly talk about it, but the the episode last week uh, talked about the Deep South's oldest rivalry, which is between Georgia and Auburn, and that was actually happened um, this last uh, weekend. Uh, did you guys happen to catch this game? I know there's a lot of better games on. <laughs> I didn't honesty. see any of it, but I did see that it was got a little out of hand. Let's just say that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see. Oh my god! I just looked at the score. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't see any of the game. I was doing a lot of uh, work travel last week. But I, I, I saw I the thought, highlight on on ESPN, and I I thought at first I thought it was like week one, and they were playing like some no name school, and then I saw it was Auburn. I was like, this doesn't make sense, but yeah. Um, I, saw, I saw the line was twenty one when I, on Thursday, which is the day I usually do my picks for the for the pool. Um, I saw it was twenty one. I'm like. Isn't this a big rivalry? Shouldn't it be a little closer? Uh, yeah, I, almost, think. I almost picked Auburn to cover it just because of that. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't have mattered because we all went on three. But, you know, it, it, they did not cover it. No, no. So for the listeners, Georgia won 42 to 10. Um, I, I watched like the very beginning. So I had, it got out of hand very quickly. And honestly, I mean, that was to be expected. Auburn's um, really a mess right now. Um, with all their coaching issues, don't have a quarterback. Um, they're a bit of a mess. And, and Georgia had that scare against Missouri. So they kind of came out to really, um, you know, show people that, you know, they are the, the best team in the nation. And, uh, and honestly, I don't blame anyone for not watching it because there were quite a few really good matchups <laughs> and alternatives to this game. Um, but I will say I did love um, before the game. So I kind of, I caught like the, um, the pregame and then, you know, I don't know, maybe the first series and then I changed it, but they had some pretty cool montages of some really cool moments in the rivalry um, over the years. So that was honestly probably the best part of the game. <laughs> you could, you could say everything that you just said about the Auburn Georgia game about several of the Sunday football games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Including one, uh, one of the co-host teams played one of my teams and it didn't go well for the co-host team um and then your guys team mm. yeah yeah 
Number not not the number one scoring offense anymore. No, I mean that was always bound to even out, but it just kind of probably still the highest allowed defense though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I bet you were still probably top five just because of how obnoxious like the number <laughs> they were putting up in those first four games were. Um, but yeah, there, there was a lot of that, that, that went on this weekend. Um, and then, yeah, kind of transitioning Doyle, you kind of mentioned it. So the pick them with the boys, it was an absolute blood bloodbath this weekend. Um, only person who even recorded a win was Nathan, uh, who went two Oh and one, everyone else went Oh and three. Um, honestly, this entire season, like, even if you really break it down, so it, it's out of 18 total picks thus far. And Mike has the lead at eight wins. So it's, it's just not been, not been great at all for anyone um, in, in, in this college football pick them. Um, yeah. But we'll see. I mean, now we're halfway through it uh, by now, you know, hopefully and I guess, depending on the person, maybe you've found a team that you feel pretty good about. Like I know, Last year, I felt pretty good about Western Kentucky. Like every time they played, I had a pretty, with the, with Zappy, I had a pretty good feel for whether or not I wanted to bet them or not. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like there's a couple teams um, maybe that uh, I'm starting to feel a little better about, but uh, my, my curse is always, uh, I always end up, you know, we only pick three for, for the week. And I always end up with like five that I really like. And then I end up always picking the wrong one. So like, I like UCLA this week, Mike and I both said we wouldn't pick Texas, even though we bet heavily on Texas, just like we weren't going to pick them for the pod. Cause we both liked them. Um, so there's always those, those times for me, like where I end up just picking wrong for the pod, but it's been terrible. But uh, so the rankings, just so you guys have the updated rankings right now. So Mike is in the lead with eight wins. Nathan has six and a half. Because uh, we count the he had a push with TCU this week, so we'll count that as a half point. Uh, Doyle, you have six. Joe, you have three, even though you haven't uh, you didn't give us picks last week, but you're Not still, you're still in it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, I've done every week and I only have two, which is not great. Um, and then Jimmy and Chris both have one. Uh, so any listeners out there that still haven't joined us, we're halfway through and Mike's the best of us at eight and ten. Uh, so you really have a chance to to uh, catch us and beat us. Um, so please join if you haven't already. Uh, and for everyone else that has been, keep sending them in because you can definitely uh, beat uh, the hosts and earn yourself a nice little prize. And this week actually has some really cool games, uh, some some good matchups as well. So it should be just overall an exciting weekend in college football and probably a hard one to pick. Um, okay, so why don't we uh, get into the actual episode today uh, and talk about our trophy. So I mentioned today we're talking about the McCalla Trophy, which is played between in-state rivals of Florida and Florida State. Uh, so a little fun fact for you guys here. Um, until the pandemic and the SEC's decision to only play like an interconference um schedule, this rivalry actually had the fourth largest non-interrupted rivalry. Um, and that was only behind Iowa State and Kansas State, Navy and Notre Dame, and Cal and UCLA. Um, and I feel like it's actually pretty impressive because the first matchup between these two schools didn't start until 1958. So it was pretty much like ever since it started, uh, they played pretty consecutively, um, which I think is uh, pretty awesome. Uh, and hopefully that continues, obviously, with all these, uh, the realignment for college football, you just never know what's gonna what's gonna happen. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught the news uh, a couple of weeks ago, but Bedlam seems to be kind of dead in the water. That seems to be one of the first major casualties to uh, rivalries with this new alignment with Oklahoma going to the SEC. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's what you're gonna see though. Once all the realignments, you're gonna lose some of those rivalries and and lose some of those games that you're used to seeing kind of for better or worse, this one for worse. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll see, hopefully at least this one, I mean, I don't know what's going to end up happening with the ACC, but hopefully this stays as long as possible. Um, but before we get into the rivalry, so we've been asking ahead of time uh, what you guys think the trophy looks like. Uh, so what are your guys' best guesses as to what 
this trophy looks like. I'm going to go with the big orange. <laughs> okay. That's a good guess. Doyle, what do you think? I'm going to go with... I, I, I kind of think it's something seminal related just because of, well, obviously, Florida State's the Moles. Um, the state government also kind of loves the Seminoles. Uh, so... Casino? No, yeah, casino. <laughs> slot machine. Yeah, just I mean, I like to change my It's going to be like a, a big guitar, basically. <laughs> uh, I think I think that would make a great trophy, just guitar. Um, but I, I'm going to say something kind of stick shaped that incorporates something gatory and something seminally. That's that's my. It's that it's it's such a not answer, but that's what I'm going to go with. Hmm. Okay. Sticky and seminally. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we will see uh, if either of you guys are right in a little bit. Um, so a little bit about the history of this rivalry. So I mentioned the first matchup was in 1958 and Florida won that one 21 to seven. Um, and Florida ended up winning the first uh, six, the 16 of the first 19 matchups. Um, however, the overall series lead, uh, Florida leads it, but it's 37 wins to 26 losses to two ties. Uh, so it actually kind of evened itself out a little bit there. Um, and Florida most recently has won the last three, hmm. but, uh, given this year, you know, this actually might be the year that, uh, Florida state finally, uh, finally wins one, but basically Florida dominated as it, as I just mentioned, uh, for the, uh, the beginning of the series until Bobby Bowden became the Florida state head coach in 1976. Uh, and that's when the, the rivalry just became way more um, competitive. And then it, the intensity level really rose to its highest point in the 1990s. Um, but when the Gators um, had uh, Steve Spurrier take over uh, and, and play Bowden, um, their late season matchup, uh, turned into top 10 rankings. Like it was uh, always a contest with the two teams in the top 10. Um, and for an entire decade, it basically, uh, the matchup had national championship implications. Um, so the winner of the game would go on to compete for the national championship in six of the 10 uh, seasons in the 1990s. So 93, 95, 96, 98, 99, and 2000 were all one of those two ended up going to the national championship. So very, very, very important um, for this rivalry, but uh, I'll give you guys a little bit more uh, details in a little bit. So, because this is an in-state rivalry, that means that we have to do some Florida State history trivia. So, Doyle, oh, here comes our native. Don't don't let don't let uh, don't let Joe beat you in this uh, this trivia here because you're 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 a local. Does Kristen uh, test you every night on your like, flashcards? <laughs> no she i mean she's the real the real local here so i'm saying you have to she um, needs to teach you yeah all right well i guess we'll uh we'll see how you do so this first question when florida joined the union it became the blank number state to join so was it the a the 18th state to join b the 22nd c the 27th or d the 33rd state to join the union one C twenty seven, and just for no reason, I have no idea. Uh, it was so, it was sometime like in the eighteen hundreds. I think it was like right, right around the Civil War. Uh, so I'm thinking like eighteen. I'm thinking A. Okay, the one of you guys got it right. The correct answer was C, the twenty seventh oh. state. There you go. Joe's, you <laughs> Joe's up one nil. All right, so this one might be more of a gimme. Right. What is the state flower? Is it A, the orange blossom, B, the violet, C, a wild rose, or D, a dogwood? I'm, I'm thinking it's A. I think it's orange blossom. I feel like that's too easy, but based on what he just said, I guess I'll go A as well. You're both correct. It is A, the orange <clears throat> blossom. Way to go, guys. I told you, the orange growers, man. <laughs> they pour a lot of money up into Tallahassee. Here you go. So this is uh, this is related to that. So question number three. So Florida is the second biggest producer of orange juice in the world. What is the first? Is it A, 
South Africa, B, Mexico, C, Brazil, or D, Germany? It's got to be B, Mexico. Doyle? Well, I know it's not Germany. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll be shocked if it's Germany. I'm, I'm going to go with Brazil. The correct answer is C, Brazil. Ooh. So Brazil pr produces uh, around 1 million tons of orange juice a year, compared to about 245,000 by the U.S., and about 70% of that 245,000 comes from Florida. I so figured Brazil, Brazil's climate's a little more similar to Florida's than Mexico. Mexico's a little more mountainy. Yeah. All right, we got ourselves a, a tie here. Uh, so question number four. So while Florida is the second largest producer of orange juice, Florida is the largest producer of a different fruit. What is it? Is it A, pineapple, B, mango, C, lemon, or D, grapefruit? I'm going to go with D, grapefruit. Doyle? I also think it's D, but I'm going to say mango just for the, uh, I, I think it also could be mango. Uh, given how much of it grows down here in, in Miami, uh, in the streets. But I also just want to be different. Just going to roll with different. Well, you shouldn't have. You should have yeah. betted on the last question of the, the game. But yes, it is D, grapefruit. All right, last question here. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's, here's the last question. How many theme parks are in Florida? Hmm. Is it A, five, B, six, C8 or D10? Well, so like you're telling me, uh, like, is Epcot like the same? Is that part of Disney or are these all like all different? Can, yep. I'm going to count them differently. Oof, I'll go. Oh, you, can't, you can't get into Epcot with a Magic Kingdom ticket. <laughs> I'm going D10. Uh, I'm going to go C8. And I think, uh, Doyle, I think you need to give Joe your license here because <laughs> he's the real Florida resident. It is 10. Can you guys name the I 10? B. Okay, so there's Epcot, Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, Universal. Uh, SeaWorld. SeaWorld, <laughs> love it. Uh, like Five more. Is there like a Bush Gardens, Six Flags, yep. any of those? There's Bush Gardens. Um. I don't think we've. I don't think I'm done with Disney. I think there's more Disney. There's one more Disney. Oh boy! You said Epcot. Yep. So you guys have said Magic Kingdom. What about animal the? Uh, what about what about? Oh, animal is an, wait no is Animal Kingdom the same as the Safari one? Yes, uh, it's an Animal Kingdom. Okay. Yep. So yeah, four. We were, we were going to go to it before Kristen went to Anaphylaxis. That that was our destination for the day. <laughs> and then her allergy ruined it. What else do we got here, guys? We're contemplatively taking a drink. Four more. Joker Merchant. No, not quite. Oh man. Uh, what's the other? What's the other Universal one? So it's Universal Studios and with roller coasters. Islands of Adventure. The other Disney one is Hollywood Studios. Oh, Hollywood Studios. Yeah. And then the other two is Discovery Cove and Legoland. Legoland. That's Legoland. a whole park. That's also in Orlando. <laughs> hmm. Um, yeah, I guess so. Is Red Wild count? Isn't that a is that still a thing? Uh I, I don't think. I don't think so. They re I think they replaced it with like I think it's a volcano, like a hmm. that one yeah. was. I loved that one. That's a, the water park. Yeah, yeah, that one was fun. I, I like that one too. When um, when are you guys gonna bring your respective children down to the magic of Disney? Well, they can't even walk yet. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that didn't that didn't stop Kristen from having us bring the boys to Disney when they were like it was in April, so it was they were like one and a half. Well, yeah. it's a little bit easier trip I mean, for you yeah, guys. They, they could walk, like theoretically. I don't know. You're probably, not, yeah, probably sooner-ish. Um, I mean, like probably preferably when 
at least like Chloe maybe recognizes something like a Mickey Mouse or something, you know, something that would get her like excited about it. Um, I know like my, uh, one of my neighbors, they took uh, their son to Disney a couple of times and he's um, just over a year old, but I think one of his favorite people is Mickey Mouse. So I guess it was just a lot of fun for him to see um, Mickey Mouse there. At some point, Mickey just becomes a favorite word that they say at random intervals. Uh, Mickey, Elmo, Elmo's another one. Um, I don't know what it is about that mouse, but the, the children just love it. Um, so I kind of have a little bonus uh, segment here, but it's really not like, it was just something that I thought was interesting in the sense that like, I can't talk about Florida without talking about the typical Florida man headlines. So there were four headlines that kind of uh, drew my attention. So I thought I'd just share these with you guys. So the first headline is Florida man jumps into Bass Pro Shops fish tank in South Florida. So apparently this is an actual like real serious problem for the state of Florida is people jumping into these massive fish tanks. Um, and uh, for instance, so in, in South Florida, it doesn't say exactly where, but the guy climbed up the fake uh, rock wall, dove into the fish tank. Um, but it, uh, it actually has a really severe punishment, but I couldn't find exactly what the punishment was but I mean I can honestly say I don't know about you guys I've, I've thought about it like I've always thought like man those tanks are huge I wonder what's, if anyone what's the point is he I, trying to get a fish it's just like a prank like to get it on video Look, guys it's really hot down here <laughs> you just wanted to take a dip so go into the air conditioning and then jump into the <laughs> tank um, all right, this one's a little bit uh, more terrifying. So Florida man accused of jumping naked on neighbor's trampoline before breaking into home. I mean, <laughs> I have thought about doing that. If you're going to break into someone's house, you're going to have some fun first. Yeah, so a Florida man in Lee County stripped down naked and jumped on a neighbor's trampoline. So apparently he was a neighbor. Um, and then I... Uh, after jumping on the trampoline naked, he later broke into the house, uh, but the family hid in the car. Uh, and then obviously the, the officers were pretty quick uh, to get him out of their house and charged him with criminal mischief. So Lee County, I, I think is just north of Tampa. I'm a little surprised this didn't end with him getting, you know, shot. <laughs> and that's how, that's how I would have thought that story ends, but. Um, not, not that I know of, um, but potentially maybe, maybe once I got him back to the station, you know, no, not by the police, by the, the homeowner no, towering in his car. Look, we have standard ground here. Like, oh, that's you, right. You, you just shoot as soon as anyone comes in. I guess um, maybe because it was a neighbor, maybe they knew him. I, I don't know. <laughs> they saved it. Oh, I lied. It's in it, Fort Myers. That's where Lee County is. Okay. So South of yeah. Tampa. You were at least on the right side and pretty close. I knew it was on the golf. I, didn't, yeah. I thought it was north. But. Um, so this was one that potentially, I mean, I don't think either of us would ever do, or any of us would ever do this, but said lame dad joke gets Florida man banned from Disney World for life. So in 2015, David Swindle and his family stayed at the Pop Century Resort at Disney World. Uh, they had a tough time dealing with the staff after making a few requests. So at one point, the Florida man joked that he could build a meth lab in the room in the time it took for the staff to help him. Uh, as it turns out, uh, the, the staff called the police uh, and they raided his room and then subsequently banned him from all Disney properties <laughs> for making it dumb. I, I think that's a little over the top. Yeah, literally, somebody was just pissed. <laughs> yeah, I don't, that's not really a dad joke. It's not. <laughs> I mean, well, I could build a meth lab in here by the time you guys get this thing cleaned up. I mean, unless your dad's like Walter White, I guess. But yeah, maybe he just like looked like him and they're like, oh, maybe he actually does have a meth lab up there. Walking around with a pork pie. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a little ridiculous. But yeah, I bet you the staff was probably just really pissed at him. Uh, and then just the last one here. Florida man arrested uh, after call or, or arrested for calling 911 after kitten denied entry into strip club so in 2012 a florida man became they irate. wouldn't let the pussy into the strip club uh, they, they there's, there's a lame dad joke. <laughs> i found one i found one i'm banned 
Yep. Yeah. For life. <laughs> oh, you definitely couldn't make that joke at Disney. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, boots. In, in 2012, a Florida man became irate when a strip club wouldn't let him enter in with his kitten. Uh, he felt that his kitten had every right to enjoy the gentleman's club. Uh, so when the club wouldn't let him in, uh, he phoned 911 several times. Oh, Eventually, police officers arrived on the scene, but did not help the man or his kitty. Instead, the police arrested the Florida man for multiple charges, including making the 911 calls. Then Tampa? Uh, it, it doesn't say. I think that, that area is, well, you might know, not not from experience, but just as a Florida <laughs> resident. I think, isn't Tampa like the mo- like the area with the most like strip clubs per square mile or whatever i thought i heard that somewhere I, that might be right i know the florida panthers found a couple when they were down three nothing at uh <laughs> oh yeah, that's right did you guys did you hear about this story yeah they got caught uh, went out late and then they play like shit the next day they yes well i mean you're down three nothing it's tampa lightning so might as well but yeah i, I think that's right i think, tampa I think yeah i think we were in florida or in tampa area for uh, gasparilla like maybe five or six years ago i feel like someone told me that then when we were there but I cannot confirm because we did not go. Um, yeah, that seems pretty, pretty ridiculous. But um, so, so on the so the reason why there's a lot of these Florida man stories is because we have very in Florida there's very strict um, requirements as to what has to be made public record, and these arrest records are they have to be made public record. So every time someone gets arrested for something stupid. It's made public, and of course, it becomes a fun news story because, I mean, they're, they're I mean, they're pretty ridiculous. They're pretty, yeah, they're for sure ridiculous. You definitely uh, have stuff like this going on everywhere, but I, yeah. I'm guessing that yeah, that's why it's getting right. publicized. I wonder right. how that became popular. Like, what what like person I mean, was the first one to recognize like that trend of? Um, I think someone just saw they kept, kept seeing yeah. this phrase and these yeah. crazy stories. <laughs> Florida man, <laughs> the Florida man. Yeah, um, it's just, uh, Doyle is a Florida man. I am. It's true. I think it's a, a deep-seated, uh, I don't know, suspiciousness of government generally, where it's like anytime the government puts something out, it must be made public. Well, it started with the Seminoles. They were Florida men. They were the literally. They were the Florida. Yeah. Men. Yes. Um, okay, so why don't we take a quick break? And then we will get back into this rivalry. And then, you know, eventually I will show you guys this beautiful trophy that we have. Sound good? Let's do it. All right. We will be back in a second. All right, everyone. Welcome back. So why don't we jump right into uh, the rest of this rivalry? Uh, So our story actually starts way back in 1905. Um, sorry, this is a bit of a history lesson, but it'll kind of really paint the picture, uh, hopefully for you guys of this rivalry, but, uh, it starts way back in 1905 with the passage of the Buckman Act, uh, and that had, uh, abolished the co-educational Florida State College and rededicated its Tallahassee campus as the all-women Florida female college for all of the 1905 fall term. So that ended the program, uh, the football program at the time um, for what would end up being Florida, actually. Um, so the, the college name officially changed to Florida State College for Women in 1909. So the team was all women at that time? <laughs> this was, uh, no, the program, the football program had ended once uh, the school became an all women's school. So they did not let the women play football. How Powderpuff started? Uh, maybe, maybe they got really mad and, and wanted, uh, wanted to play. So at the same time, the uh, four state supported schools, so included East Florida Seminary and Florida Agricultural College, uh, were consolidated to establish the new University of the State of Florida for males in Gainesville. So you had your women's college in Tallahassee, and you had your male college in Gainesville. Um, so the Florida State College's last football coach before the school went to all women's, Jack Forsyth, uh, was hired to lead um, the University of the State of Florida's male 
football program um, in 1906. So that's when the Gators started. Um, and the school would shorten the name to the University of Florida in 1909 uh, and then took the nickname the Gators in 1911. Um, and I think we had mentioned in an earlier podcast episode that it was a founding member of the SEC in 1932. So that's kind of where the origins of, of Florida came from. Um, so Florida State, as we know it, had not been created yet, hence why this rivalry didn't start until much later. Um, so the Florida State uh, Legislature reorganized the state's university system again in 1947 to accommodate the uh, post-World War II surge in college enrollment. Um, and both the University of Florida and the Florida State College for Women became co-educational again. Um, and the Tallahassee Institution became Florida State University. So Florida State established the football program in 1947 and was a founding member of the non-scholarship Dixie Conference, along with other uh, several smaller schools. Um, but in 1951, Florida State left that Dixie Conference and began, and began offering football scholarships and scheduled their first games against major college programs um, as an independent, at which point the university officials and supporters began um, calling for games against the Gators. Uh, so 1951 is about the time that Florida State really became the program that we know it uh, now. However, of course, um, the start of this series, uh, University of Florida administration did not want to uh, treat Florida State University as an equal. Uh, they were very reluctant to do that. Uh, less for reasons of the sports robbery and more, um, of course, it always comes back to money, uh, more because of uh, limited state funding for higher education at the time and the perception that Florida State's demands uh, for a greater share of those funds might undercut um, the University of Florida's role as the state's historic flagship university. Um, so as this uh, impasse kind of dragged on, uh, a bill was proposed in 1955, which mandated that the two schools had to compete, uh, compete against each other in football and other sports. Um, while the vote was, or while the bill was voted down, the governor at the time, Leroy Collins, what a fantastic name, um, pretty out Leroy Collins. <laughs> Um, personally requested to the University of Florida President Jay Wayne writes that he uh, take the lead in starting a yearly football series between the two state universities. Um, writes, writes, I believe is how you say it, agreed and the schools negotiated a contract that begin, began the football series in 1958, uh, the first available opening at the time for the Florida Gators non-conference schedule. <sighs> so I know that was exhausting, but that's how we got, that's why it started so late um, as a series, but at least once it started, it, it ran continuously um, until unfortunately COVID stopped it. So one of the stipulations in that first contract was the games would all be played at Gators home stadium of the Florida field in Gainesville because the Seminoles home field at Dope Campbell Stadium, which is crazy that it's been the same name now for um, however many years since its inception. Um, and do you guys know who Dope Campbell was? No, I don't. No. Yeah. Dope Campbell, which I didn't know either, was the first president of Florida State University. So that's what it's named oh. after. Okay. Yes. Uh, so anyway, the, the series uh, had to be played in Gainesville because Florida State's uh, stadium at the time only held, it held under uh, 20,000 people. Um, and the Florida State initiated a series of expansions um, in 1964. Uh, so the game site um, has alternated uh, since then, since the expansion to the stadiums, um, a home and away series between Gainesville and Tallahassee ever since 1964. I think, uh, I think it's funny that they refused to play in the 1950s in a stadium that would be like a decent sized Premier League stadium or like, you know, a huge hockey arena by today's standards. Yeah, I mean, another point to that is like, I don't think every school should have massive ones, right? They should know how many people they get there. So a great example of that is Northwestern. So Northwestern's building this brand new, beautiful state-of-the-art stadium, but it's going to be smaller than their current one. But it's going to feel, I think, more like a soccer stadium, but it's intimate. But that makes it better, right? If you can get 
even if it's less people, if they're closer to this field and it's a smaller um, stadium, it's still going to be loud. It's a really um, bad look if you can't fill a stadium. Like okay. thinking like the Utah, who they play last year, it was a great guess at Oregon. That Utah Oregon game was empty. So same thing with uh, is it USC? UCLA. The UCLA. Rose Bowl. Yeah. No one's yeah. filling the Rose Bowl. They can't fill it. So it, yeah. it just looks horrible. I mean, even if it's a smaller stadium, like it's worth yeah. making it a little bit smaller, knowing that it's gonna sell out or that it's gonna be close than yeah. having it look like your program has no interest. Well, I mean, even in the I, I think this is a modern trend in stadium builds because the new Bills Buffalo Bill Stadium, uh, the current stadium holds 76, I think, thousand. Uh, and they're knocking it down to 60 or 65, hmm. somewhere in there. And I think that's just a modern, I, I don't know if that counts standing room only kind yeah. of areas because that's um, a modern thing is having like a little bar area where everyone stands. Uh, but also just like making them smaller and more more intimate, I think is a, mm-hmm. a modern trend. And you can uh, charge more. Yeah, you can charge more. All right, make that, it probably, isn't, probably not going to fly in Buffalo, New York, but uh, you can try to charge more. Well, I, I think the idea would be like the the resale, right? Like because it's mm-hmm. hard to get a ticket, like you can make it harder than it has been to get a ticket. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I agree. I, the, I just think the I think the know. the interest in Buffalo, there's there's so much demand for tickets that you can charge more. It's not I'm not saying double the price, but you can charge yeah. more because people will still go. No, I've I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Is like I'm probably living through the golden age of Buffalo Bills football. I mean, they're like a historic offense. Yeah. Like how how good they are. Um, and it's like I think a lot about the the Michael Scott quote. It's like if only we knew that we were living in the best times when they were happening. <laughs> it's like I'm just I just appreciate all the Bills stuff. Just living through 17 years of just terrible rancid. Mm. But not like not so bad we get mm. the good pick, just like mediocre, like solidly <laughs> mediocre mm. football. How about 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean the difference is that you guys had like a one, two, three, or four pick for like a so you were like the I mean they're still bad. <laughs> you guys are like the Edmonton Oilers of the NFL. Mm. I mean the the Edmonton, Edmonton's finally making that work. I mean, we're we're crossing into professional football and professional uh, really, and really, state, sorry, the, with stadium, all the whiskey and whiskey and whiskers sweet spots demographically, but uh, yeah, Edmonton has the number one overall. Pick. So, Jared Goff is Connor McDavid. Oh my god, that yeah, sure, that first overall first pick, round pick right? or yeah, yeah, first, overall. <laughs> yeah, great. I mean, when when so he excited. takes us to the you know playoffs next year, then we can start drawing those comparisons. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Well, Edmonton's never won a cup, so if you're gonna follow in that those footsteps, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta same same. It. Hey, they're finally at least looking like winning playoff games, so you know that's a start. What right? they did conference final somewhere? last year? No, yeah, they did. did yeah, they? They were conference, the conference. Oh, yeah, they were they were Colorado. like a game yeah, away that's from right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Vander Kane went nuts for you know. He bet on himself. <laughs> he bet on himself. <laughs> oh man! All right, so back to football. Okay, so, uh, like I had mentioned earlier, that the series uh, dominated uh, was dominated early by the Gators. Uh, Florida won the first three contests uh, before a three-three tie in 1961. Uh, that the Gator coach Ray Graves likened to quote a death in the family. So it was a, it was Believe not it. A, it was not a great day for uh, the Gators. Um, so, like I had mentioned, this this continued until 1976 when the legendary Bobby was Bowden, this on a Thursday night. Was this Thursday night football? Yes, three to three. <laughs> like last uh, week's game. It was, yeah. on, it was on Amazon Prime too. Yeah. I mean, this <laughs> week is the Commanders and the Bears, so it's probably going to be very similar. So, and, and the Bears are wearing their all orange stuff, so it should be gross. Um, but yeah, so Bowden came to Florida State in 1976 and um, began to turn the program around. So after losing his first game against Florida in 1976, the Seminoles would win the next four. Uh, and their first win in the series since 1967. Uh, this would begin a decade and a half in which the rivals would take turns um, pretty much just having winning streaks um, off of each other. And then I had also mentioned earlier that it really, uh, the rivalry really was taken to the highest level uh, in the 90s when um, former Heisman Trophy winning quarterback for Florida, uh, Steve Spurrier, returned um, back to uh, the Gators to coach them in 1990. 
Um, and during that, uh, the 11 seasons that followed, uh, Florida and Florida State rivalry reached its just peak. Um, and I had mentioned before, uh, there was all of those, uh, I think it was six out of the 10 in that decade. Um, one of those teams made an appearance in the national championship game. So a very, very important uh, end of the year game for both teams. Um, and then let's see here. So because the uh, Sugar Bowl, uh, so they had rematches, um, two, two games played in 1994 and 1996, uh, Florida and Florida State met 14 times uh, in 12 seasons uh, when Spurrier was the coach. Um, and each time, one or both of the teams were ranked in the top 10. So really just, uh, just peak rivalry. And then after all the matchups in 1996, uh, one was the fiercest of the series. Both teams were undefeated and ranked one and two. Uh, Florida was ranked one, Florida State two, coming into the regular season finale in Tallahassee, where the Seminoles won uh, a tough game, 24 to 21. Uh, and then Florida would go on to win the SEC and earn a rematch against the Seminoles in the Sugar Bowl, where the Gators would win 52 to 20. And that was their first national championship in uh, their 90 year history. And then the, the number one Florida State uh, was undefeated coming into the 1997 contest against number 10 Gators um, in Gainesville, but Florida won again 32 to 29 with a late touchdown run by Fred Taylor which is a, a blast from the past name uh, there. Um, Played his robot here too. Uh, yes, yes, down in, oh, uh, the up in Jacksonville. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, after, after these setbacks, Florida State would win three straight over uh, the top four uh, Florida teams, winning in 1998 and 2000 in Tallahassee and the 98 uh, contest in Gainesville. Um, after that win, it, it was there um, on their way to a second national championship that year. Uh, so uh, just to kind of recap here, Florida State and Florida combined for 14 conference championships and three national championships during the 1990s. Uh, in addition, the winner of the game would play for the national championship uh, six times in that decade. Uh, through those years, Florida State held a four to, or excuse me, seven to four to one advantage in the rivalry. Uh, that was obviously arguably uh, the most important uh, time in college football at the time, or college football games during that time. So then uh, kind of get to the tail end of, of Florida State's glory here, um, kind of. Uh, Bowden retired uh, and, uh, the, and, and Urban Meyer uh, that, that, that fella um, joined uh, the Florida staff. So in 2009, uh, the Florida-Florida State game marked uh, Bowden's 36th year uh, against the Gators, um, or excuse me, 36th game in 34 seasons uh, against the Gators as the Seminoles head coach. And it was also his last. He would retire after 2009, uh, and he finished his head coaching career with a 17 uh, to eight, 17 wins, 18 losses, and one tie record against the Gators. Um, and remarkably, Bowden's uh, 34 years in Tallahassee spanned the 10 years of seven different Gators head coaches, wow. which is pretty crazy. Um, and then Florida State ended their uh, winning streak with Florida um, in 2010 under the uh, first-year head coach, Tebow? Jimbo Fisher. Um, who uh, led the Seminoles to a win um, in, in uh, Tallahassee that year? Was that, was that against Tebow? It, 2010, probably. Oh, I, I think Tebow was, was gone. It, Tebow okay. was already gone? Broncos then. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I mean, we can't, we can't talk about Florida without mentioning the 2008 University of Florida Gators, right? <laughs> who was on that yeah. team? What's that? I said, who was on that team? Pouncey's Hernandez. Well, Tebow, of course, <laughs> is who, who the University of Florida wants to talk about. Right. But there, there were others that were maybe, uh, you know, not so wholesome. Uh, Tebow was drafted in 2010, so it was not, not Tim Tebow. Okay. So um, it doesn't say here, um, or I didn't catch exactly when Urban Meyer uh, came. I think he started coaching the uh Florida Gators a little bit earlier than that 2009 year of Bowden's retirement um 
But in 2010, uh, Jimbo Fisher took over and broke uh, the winning streak for Urban Meyer. I guess I could have actually, I can answer this. So he would have joined in 2004. Yeah, okay. Uh, So 2010, that year that Jimbo uh, beat the Gators was Urban Meyer's uh, last coach or last uh, game as coach of the Florida uh, Gators. And it was actually his only loss to Florida State in six meetings. So obviously Urban had a, had a great, great uh, career there um, at Florida before he had his health issues. His uh, health issues. That, that then led like, to that Ohio keep, State. Keep flaring up. <laughs> Jacksonville. Florida, Florida's not good. He's, he is the Florida man. <laughs> he is the Florida man. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say, if you, your, your segue with the Florida man headlines is so perfect for these two teams because there are Florida men on both these teams. I mean, mm-hmm. Obviously, I was alluding in 2008 to uh, Mr. Aaron Hernandez, who yeah. is the quintessential Florida man. Yeah. Uh, Z's. Uh, uh, Jackrabbit. You know, the, the crab legs and, you know, <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's in state. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Janus. I think that's probably the most Florida man of this. Stealing, stealing the crab legs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you had anything happen to you that makes you a Florida man yet? No, I'm a lawyer, so I can't like. <laughs> I can't go. I can't. Like, it's like under the suit that I have the Florida man. Okay. Um, it's like buried under there. We haven't. Well, we haven't. We haven't gone to visit yet. Though. Yeah. I, I tie the neck really tight to keep the Florida man. <laughs> we'll have to uh, maybe maybe once you retire, maybe that's when the Florida man. You'll you'll you'll, you'll have been there for probably. No, a long there's time. a Florida man there. <laughs> just gotta just gotta bring him out. Yeah. We got to get down there. All right, guys, we are finally at the moment. Please, please take a look at this beautiful trophy and tell me what you think. It's not an orange. It is not an orange. No orange is in sight. But there is a gator and there is a, that is a Florida yes. man. <laughs> a little That's the original. Man. And he's doing the most Florida man thing. He is fighting an alligator. No, he's not. He's T-bowing. <laughs> That's um, that's, the, that's not the right Florida. All right. Why well, don't one, one of you guys describe what you're uh, you're looking at here for our listeners? What does it look like? Well, I, I think Joe's alluded to it. We've got uh, a seminal on the left side of what appears to be an block? 8 to 12 inch wooden block. Where are you, uh, wait, wait, hold on. Where are you I getting think, these measurements? I, I'm just eyeballing, like based on the size of the plaque and how. There's nothing how, for reference. There's nothing other than like how legible that font has to be. Oh, the picture frames in the back, I guess. I mean, you can guess how big those pictures are. Oh, you're looking at the second picture. What's that? Is that a flag or something next to it? Yeah, I don't think, I think that's just where it's like standing. I don't think it has anything to do with the actual trophy. That's like the national championship trophy. It's about maybe a foot, maybe two feet. It's like three quarters of the national championship trophy, right? It looks, you know, okay, the the base of it looks like a curb, like in a parking lot that you pull up to at a. It's got a little slant. It's uh, a rhombus. I think that's the shape. The rhombus. The pentarhombus. Um, so the left, the left, like two or three eighths, I would say, of the trophy is a kneeling seminal in a fighting stance, and the remainder of the trophy is this giant alligator. So it looks like the seminal wants to fight the alligator, which is the most Florida thing you could do. Um, you think it's fight or is it a peaceful thing? It is a fight. Oh, it's got to oh, be. Oh, it's a fight. It is a fight. Right? Although, so EJ, in the first picture, both of the plaques are. Yes, I'm. I'm leading you into something. Both of the plaques are orange and blue, uh, but in the second picture, one the gator side is orange and blue, and the sentinel side is uh, the gold and crimson of Florida State. I can't give you an answer why. I, okay. I think they, I think what happened was, oh, excuse me. I think what happened is they probably that has the scores and the dates. They probably ran out of dates and replaced it, but said, "Why would I, why the hell do we have two blue and orange? Let's do this side, one side Florida State colors." Honestly, that's, that, prob- that's probably correct because <laughs> it does have. I mean, it has a list of dates and and probably scores. Yeah, so I'm guessing they had to replace it, and they said, "Well, the hell, why don't we do our our side, our colors?" 
And so I've noticed that it's presented by the St. Petersburg Exchange Club, which is exactly, <laughs> which is where exactly none of these schools are even close to. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's super strange. Other side of the state. Yeah. Are we right. sure it's not St. Petersburg, Russia? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it could be. Because that Russians. also is very far away. About as close to Gainesville as St. Petersburg, Florida, though, to be honest. Um, okay, so I want to give you guys a little bit of, of details here. Uh, I was I was able to find a little bit, um, not too much, um, like some useful information, not some not. So little is actually known about like the origins of it, but the legend has it that the wooden trophy, so the actual Seminole and the Gator part of it, was carved out of a big cypress uh, tree somewhere in present day uh, present day Jerome, which is in Collier County. Um, by an unnamed Native American leader uh, sometime in the 1700s. Um, and it's aimed to depict a Seminole chief fighting off a vicious alligator to protect his people, is what it is uh, supposed to be. Uh, and it was uh, presented um, by the St. Petersburg-based um, civic group, the, the Exchange Club. Um, and it was uh, kind of dreamt up by uh, the chairman uh, which is uh, Robert Melby. Uh, so Melby said that the club wanted to replicate the little brown jug passed between the winner of Michigan versus uh, Minnesota, uh, the old oaken bucket uh, passed between Indiana and Purdue, uh, or the Paul Bunyan trophy um, passed between Michigan and Michigan State. Um, so uh, this is what Melby had to say uh, in quotations. I'm originally from Minnesota. And I know the little brown jug is really uh, very important in that neck of the woods. Uh, that this was the idea behind this to have a symbol, a little symbol going back and forth between the two schools. Uh, and they were just trying to essentially establish something uh, to represent the, the rivalry between the two schools. Um, you said that from his condo in the villages, Florida, right? Probably, yes. <laughs> so the trophy is presented at a banquet held in St. Petersburg uh, in April of each year. Uh, so I'm kind of paraphrasing uh, Melby. But the, the intention was never to have this trophy um, be exchanged during a banquet. It was really meant to be exchanged between the team, like the players and the teams on the field. Um, however, it, uh, it just hasn't been that. And I know that uh, they've tried to um, get the schools kind of on board of doing that, but they haven't been successful so, um, so they don't they don't bring it to the game no so it's like a there's a banquet held um every year in april and it's exchanged uh in between like by mm -hmm. uh, officials and stuff um so it is unfortunately a little bit of a boring like exchange um but it sounds like they've tried to to change that but um no success thus far so i think we just need to add it to the list of uh of movements we are going to make as a podcast to, to get uh, the battle for the beer barrel reintroduced and now uh, get this trophy exchanged on the field between players. That's what we need. Um, so he did also say that the tradition of the trophy has caught on, but he's a little disappointed that neither team uh, has paid the ultimate compliment, which is stealing it from its rightful winners. So he says, <laughs> he's a true big 10 guy. Yeah, I know. This guy's just, you know, in the wrong. Just bored, bored down in Florida. <laughs> he's trying to make things happen. He's trying I'm telling you, in the villages, it's a retirement haven. You just get a little bored sometimes. Yeah. You, know, you, you think about sitting in the trailer the all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's going to do it for us, guys. So why don't we uh, get to our rankings here? Um, so just to give everyone a reminder, we rank on a scale from one to five uh, for the looks of the trophy. Uh, the history of the trophy, the history of the rivalry, and the overall competitiveness of the rivalry, uh, and then whether we think that is a bottom tier, middle tier, or top tier. Um, so, Doyle, why don't you start us off? What do you think? What do you think for looks? What do you got? You know, I, I like the looks. It looks like uh, a Big Ten trophy. If, if that was the goal, I think they accomplished that. Okay. Um, it does have that, like, you know, it, it looks like it's been, it looks like it's been stolen. Let's put it that way. It, it looks old. It looks like it has a no, they, they don't even care enough to steal this thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So in terms of looks, given that that's a backstory, I, I'm going to give it a solid, a solid four. Okay. Uh, what about history of the, the trophy? History, I, history's a big bummer. I'm, I'm a little bummed out that they don't award this thing on the field. I feel like that would add to the, the history of the trophy. Like I said, it looks like it has history, but much like the state of Florida itself, it does not have any history. So I, I'm going to give it a one on the history. Oof, uh, the riot, I mean, I'm, I am just an extremist. <laughs> I'm either all in or nothing at all. Uh, rivalry, it's been pretty close, but there's also been moments in the rivalry where there's been a dominant team, um, which kind of takes away from it. So I'm going to just go right down the middle and say a three. Okay. Um, competitiveness. Then, well, I, so that's more, I guess that's more competitiveness. I'm going to okay. give competitiveness a three. Rivalry, I'm going to give a four just because it's very important for the state. I remember like, um, like as a kid, I would come down to Florida every Thanksgiving and the game is always like the Friday or Saturday, I think after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always like headline news, basically everywhere in the state. It's a very, very important state, um, which is ironic because I thought these teams would be the second and third best teams in the state <laughs> at the beginning of the season. Uh, my hurricanes have let me down a little bit. Uh, so rivalry, I'm gonna give a, a four competitiveness to give it three overall i'm gonna give it top tier okay yeah. uh joe said top tier i yeah. did if you go middle tier i wouldn't be insulted if it went middle tier but I, I i i like the traditional look of it even though it doesn't have its own tradition i feel like that's very uh symbolistic of the state itself where it looks like it should be old but it's not really that old <clears throat> so looks, I'm going to go three and a half, 3.5. It's, it's unique. It's got some character. It's got uh, the Seminole. It's got the Gator. Uh, it's car. It looks like it's probably hand carved. So yeah, it's unique. I think a lot of these though, a lot of these trophies look very similar as they're heavy on the wood, which makes me think like eighties, nineties. I don't know why, but <laughs> a lot of wood, <laughs> two different two different shades of wood here, types of wood here, a lot of wood going on. So 3.5 for that. The history, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go two. This is a kind of a, a newer trophy compared to a lot of the other ones that we've seen, uh, especially Big Ten where they're dating back to the 1800s. This is 1958 was their first yes. meeting. So it's fairly new in the big picture. So I'm going to go two for history. Rivalry, I am going to go four. Looks like it's pretty close, and both of these teams, it could be hit or miss each year. It could be great. It could be horrible. Um, I think more than more than not, they're they're better teams, so it's should be fun. I know this year I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it because I might have a, a potential quarterback candidate to watch. Uh, so, yeah, four for competitiveness. Talking about Richardson? Yeah. And overall tier, I'm going low, bottom, basement tier because they don't even care about this trophy enough to bring to the game. So it's a low tier. Okay. I am. I, I said I wouldn't be insulted about middle tier. I am insulted <laughs> about middle tier. Well, you should tell your fellow Florida men to care more. I, they, they care about the rubber. They don't care about the trophy, which is sad. But well, uh, that, I mean, that's same, same. I agree. So EJ. First, Collier County is where where they get the trees for the or where they got the trees. Uh, that's Naples, Florida. Well, that's right. Uh, okay, so Southwest. Yeah, probably got those from the Everglades before that was illegal, but you know. Uh, do what? What is a Macala? Where Where is the name? What's from? the? Is that a Seminole word? That is a very very good question that I couldn't get an exact answer for. I, I looked really hard. Um, I assume, yes, it has to do probably with the seminal aspect of it, but I, I really couldn't find a straight answer. Um, all right, so for me, uh, I, I'm completely different than all of you guys. Uh, looks, I love its uniqueness. I love that it incorporates um, both schools. It, it was hand carved uh, allegedly by in the 1700s. Um, so looks it's a 4.5 for me I, I love uniqueness um we get a lot of like trophy trophies um so anytime fan of wood anytime something's different um wood. yes even if it is wood uh i, I like it the I history it of wood. it i like wood just it's a lot of wood 
Um, the history of it, see, I, I thought of it a little differently. I went a little higher. I, I, I said four. Um, I definitely agree with the, the reservations you guys have. I guess I just, while it doesn't have a ton of like information on why it was started as the trophy, the fact that it is like the, the, the actual top part of it dates back to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, that's why I, I give it a little higher uh, on that. Can we confirm <laughs> that though? Or is that just like... I, I think it was definitely confirmed that it was like old. I don't know they know exactly when or exactly how, but I think they have confirmed that it dates back to a couple hundred years ago, um, the top pieces. But again, I don't know how they Not found just some it. Dude, like found in the it. 50s or 60s, like, oh yeah, this is this is a couple hundred years old. Here you go. Yeah. So I think they've they somehow like dated it, carbon dated it back, but I don't know how they like came into <laughs> um like having it so uh that's why i can't give it like all the way up um sure. so maybe four is a little high but I, I just really think that that's uh pretty unique the rivalry i mean at one point it was the best rivalry for a decade um in, in college football so i have it at a 4.5 it's in-state rivalry um and it, it's two major programs um even though they've been a little down in recent years um and then the competitiveness uh, I have it as a 4.5 as well. Um, just again, like the, it's pretty close, even like if you, especially if you look at modern day and don't look way back, you know, um, when Florida state was just starting off as a school, um, it's much, much closer in modern day. Uh, so it's actually going to be one of the top, the, my first top tier, uh, of the, of the season. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I think overall it was, uh, pretty interesting. I don't know. I guess I, you know, we were young, we, you know, we were just kids during, that era but uh it was a pretty interesting like intense robber when i went back and looked at all the different games and the importance of those games every year that that must have been agonizing as a fan of one of those schools but great for everyone else uh to watch um and you know you kind of hope in my eyes like i would love michigan michigan state to be that uh, on a regular basis uh really be like that meaningful but um i guess we'll see but that's gonna that's gonna do it for us this week. Uh, so follow us on Instagram at whiskers.whiskies uh, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, don't forget to check out our Saturday morning bets. Um, please send us your bets if you haven't already joined our college pick'em. Uh, join. You, you have a really great shot of still beating us um, and earning yourself a, a prize. Uh, I, I'm really gonna try and do better here, guys. But uh, it's been it's been a quite a stinker, really, overall for all of us, but especially uh, for me. Um, and this game will be played at the end of the year, uh, so we will preview this. Um, during rivalry week when the game is actually played um so join us next week when we talk about the magnolia bowl always remember too much of anything is bad but too much good whiskey is barely enough cheers Boy. <laughs>